his last Sunday here as a pastor. You have been faithfully shepherded for 47 years combined between the two McMasters. And well, that will continue. And God has truly been good to this church. I know some of you, but most of you I have not yet met. Ethan Levine, we went to college together. We overlapped for a few years, and it's good to see him again. And Jay is from Northland. I've got to know him over the last couple of years. But most of you are strangers to me other than just for the last hour. And, and I have asked God to help me in these few minutes to be used by him to help you in this time as you seek God's face for the future of Faith Baptist in Linden. As you now move into a transition, as you have and are sending off a loved family, Ken and Lynette and Braden and Seth and Kate, and as you seek, thank God for the past while also with faith look expectantly and pray fervently for the future, I pray that I could bring some words to you from God's Word to challenge you, to encourage you, to exhort you to good works as you look to the next chapter of Faith in Linden. I want to read, to you, read with you, so would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. I want to read the, most of the chapter, and I'm going to, I just want to bring out four points, four exhortations to you as a church and really what it is, is a pastoral charge from an absent shepherd. You have here a shepherd that cares so desperately for this flock of people that he's writing in the book of Hebrews. And he exhorts them throughout this entire letter of Hebrews. And in fact, he calls it a brief letter. Though we have 13 chapters. And he gives one central message and he ties it all up in this last chapter. And I, I feel like... I pray that God would use it to both encourage you, to encourage Ken, to encourage Pastor Jack, to encourage Pastor Jay, the entire deacon board, as well as congregation as you enter these next, this next chapter, this next stage of the life of faith in Linden. Hebrews chapter 13, I'm going to read and then pray and ask God to show us a few things this morning. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember 
spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come through him. Let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of his lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have, for what such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are watching, keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I might be restored to you the sooner. Now hear this, church. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, May he equip you with every good thing, that you may do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, I pray that you administer to your church here in Linden this morning. Father, I pray that you would be pleased and honored to use honored to use my words through your, your word, through my words, to bring encouragement, guidance, and help, to bring refreshment and encouragement to the McMasters. I pray that you would so do a work in this church in the coming weeks, months, and years, that you would be glorified and this congregation would see you so mightily at work, saving and sanctifying and satisfying. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a big deal. It is a big deal for Ken. It is a big deal for the McMaster family. It is a big deal to this church as you send off this dear family. It is a big deal as you pray and seek God's face for a new shepherd. It is a big deal as you look and you pray and you consider the next person that will come and lead with the other congregation, with the deacons, with other pastors and elders, to, that will lead and care for your souls. You are going to be looking for a shepherd who will watch over your soul and will give an account before God someday. 
It is a big deal. And I pray that in these few minutes, I could point out four things, four charges or four exhortations to you. But I want to sum them all up and say, okay, there are things to do. And so I'm going to say, here, do these four things. But founded in all four of them is an answer of how do you do this and why do you do this? I mean, when God gives us a command, we, we should also say, how do I do it? Because I can't do it in my own strength in no way. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the guy I love. My heart does, can't do your will. You need to give me the strength to do your will. And in each one of these, is undergirded by a, a promise of God's presence. And in fact, it's found in, in a phrase that is used in chapter 12. And I was reminded of this phrase as I was sitting in the living room of Pastor Jack and his wife this morning as we were talking at breakfast. As we were talking, Pastor Jack was telling me about one of the most important instructions that any Christian needs to hear. And it's the first and fundamental instruction that he taught his dog, Willow. (laughs) He taught his dog, Willow, right away, more than anything else, is to watch me. To watch me. And it's a watching me, looking at the master. And so keeping your eyes on the master to know that the master is an instruction. The master will take care of you. The master will watch over you. The master will give you your guidance. The master is right. The, the instruction here is never for a pastor to be that master, even though he may be a Nick master. <laughs> that just flowed so nice. point is, the master. Look to Jesus. Every believer, every Christian that's going through a transition, and you are going through a transition, praise God that you have a strong leadership team. You're bringing in an intern, a great guy. Wes is a tremendous guy. will come in and be a, a blessing and a help assisting with youth, children. God so needs you to call him to that internship. And Pastor Jack and Jay and Lee and the deacon team, as they seek God's will and shepherd, look to Jesus, this passage calls us to. And it says to look to Jesus, and here are four ways he calls us to look to Jesus. The first one is, and we see this right away in this passage, number one, continue embracing a life of sacrificial love. I realize that I do not know you. For the last week, Ken has bragged about this church. He has talked about this congregation, how they have loved him, and how they love each other. And so I am going to take his word for it that there is a sacrificial love that takes place in this congregation. And I would say that insofar as that's true, and insofar as that's real, insofar as it is glorifying to God, it is by God's grace working in you, and he has used God's word to bring life in your, into your lives, bringing that sacrificial love. This writer writes the church. He's absent from this congregation, and as he wraps up this letter, he urges them to, one, continue in sacrificial love. As you lose your senior pastor and are looking for another senior pastor, I challenge you, do not forsake sacrificial love. Instead, continue to embrace it. He says here, do it with your house, do it with your reputation, do it with your marriage, and do it with your money. He 
says, let brotherly love continue. And then he tells you, do it in hospitality, bringing people in. He says, do it in your reputation. Don't worry about your reputation so much. Or wouldn't people think about me? Instead, I'm going to go after those that are in need. And that's what verse 3 says. Remember those who are in prison? You might be ridiculed by ministering them in prison, but don't care about that. Instead, minister to them as though you are in prison. You are part of the body. Care more about them than just how you look. And care about your marriage. So continue in a brotherly love. The most loving thing you husbands can do, and the most loving things you wives can do for the body is to love each other. As Christ loves the church, to love each other in your marriage. The way you love your family, the way you love the church, the way you love the world is by so being devoted in your marriage to one another as it reflects the glory of Jesus Christ to the world. And Christ to the church, and church to Christ, according to Ephesians 5. I, I, I don't, each one of these points could be a sermon, and I'm not going to do that. I want to just move quickly through this. But he says, love with your money. Don't be free from the love of money. And the point is, and so being free from the love of money, you take people in. You don't care how much it costs to feed them. You care about them. And you don't care. You'll go to that person. You'll meet that person in need. You see that person in need. You share with those that are in need. I've heard testimonies of this generous church caring for one another, caring for your shepherd, caring for those that are in need. And you've had those in need with health issues, with job issues, and care. Continue. As you go into the summer, do not look at this as a time of, oh, I get a break, because not only is it the summer, but my senior pastor is gone. Instead, this is a call to say, I am more greatly needed. I need to be present on Sunday morning as much as I can. I need to be present to find out how, how can I be a help and a service. I need to be present in my prayers. I need to seek God for, for His leading as the leadership of the church seeks the next pastor. But I love how this writer closes this. He does. He connects it to the love of money, but he says, don't be, be free of the love of money. He says, because God... He says, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He says, and then he quotes the Old Testament in saying that, for we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what command do to me. I am free to be sacrificial in love, regardless of the cost. I don't have to worry, I, can't, I don't have to think, well, if I give this, what if I, I can't afford this, because what if there's hard times and I might not be secure financially, who cares? There's a type of attitude saying, the Lord is my helper. I don't need to fear. What can man do to me? There's a confidence because I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. My shepherd's not here. I'm looking for another shepherd, but I'm, I have the great shepherd that I'm looking at. I look to Jesus. That's the first charge. That's the first exhortation. The second one is number two. First is continue embracing a, sac- a life of sacrificial love. The second is this. Continue be disciples of your past leaders. Faith and Linden, I challenge you to continue to be discipled by your past leaders. Not in a way where you're continually living your life. Whenever the next pastor comes, well, what does Pastor Ken say? What does Pastor Jack say? Or what is so? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is what this writer is going to tell you in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Remember your leaders... 
those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I hope you like this verse. I hope as you read this verse, you think you have images in your mind of Pastor Ken and Pastor Jack and Pastor Jay and and the different leaders that have been in this church, but especially these men. That as you think of them, it says here, remember your leaders. It's not about, oh, they're gone. Can we just forget about them? No, remember them, this author says. In fact, he's going to live in the present, though, because he's going to get to something different down the road at the end of this chapter. But he says, remember them. And what does he say to do with them? Those who, he, he describes them, he qualifies it, those who spoke to you the word of God. The reputation of this church is that it is a Bible-preaching, declaring, expositing church. This word drives us. This drives our belief, our love, our obedience, everything. As it's being heralded from this pulpit, and in the classrooms, and in the homes, and led towards the families, that this is the word. Follow, remember those leaders from this church, you have been given a grace from God that you have been shepherded, you've been pastored by two men that have preached the word of God to you. Amen? What a gift. Remember that. And it says, not just remember, it says here, to remember, consider the outcome of their way of life. I'm thankful for the testimony of Ken McMaster as he goes. He's going to go and he's going to serve in a church. He is serving and ministering. He's practicing what he preaches as he ministers to his wife and his family. He will serve a church there, and I know that God has a plan for him. I know that God will continue to work in him, and he will in the next, whether he's in full-time vocational ministry this next year or not, he will be being shaped for ministry that he'll be doing right away, and for the future. Consider and imitate his way of life and imitate his faith. Imitate Pastor Jack and his way of life and his faith. That's what I mean by when I say continue being disciples of your past leaders. Follow them. Follow them as they follow Jesus Christ. Follow them as they look to Jesus. And I love what this passage says. It doesn't just end there. It doesn't say, remember your leaders, their, their outcome, their way of life, imitate their faith, and man, we're, we're feeling kind of bad. because in, in this case, in Hebrews, he's probably writing to them that they, these are leaders that probably were killed for persecution. But then I love what this writer says. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This rings with Joshua 1, 4, and 5 language. This, is, this rings with the language that when God was coming to Joshua, in Joshua 1, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead, but do not worry. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I am the same God. Jesus, the one that has led Ken or Pastor Jack or whoever has led this has worked in this church. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, he is at work. He is going to guide you into tomorrow. 
He will guide you in your families. He will guide you in this church as you pray and seek his face for the shepherding and for the leading of this church. Seek him. Seek him. One of my favorite uh, favorite prayer-producing authors is a man named George Mueller. You can go on, if you have a Kindle, you can get this book by, for free. It's Answers to Prayer by George Mueller. And in his journal, he, in the 1800s, as he, he was a prayer warrior seeing God do a work. He would write down different answers to prayer. And he wrote this down in 1838. He said this, This evening I was, was walking in our little garden, meditating on Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Whilst meditating on his un changeable love, power, wisdom, etc., and turning all, as I went on, into prayer, respecting myself, and while applying likewise his unchangeable love and power and wisdom, both to my present spiritual and temporal circumstances. He's saying, I'm, I'm pondering all God's love and power and his character as I think about my situation, and I want you to say, as I think about your situation, all at once, the present need of the orphan houses that he was watching over was brought to my mind. Immediately, I was led to say to myself, Jesus, in his love and power, has hitherto supplied me with what I need for the orphans, and in the same unchangeable love and power, he will provide me with what I need for the future. A flow of joy came into my soul while realizing thus the unchangeableness of the art adorable Lord. And then he speaks about one minute later. Someone came to the door and closed with a bill of 20 pounds for the orphans. And insofar as God has provided for this church, he will provide for you in the future. Look to Jesus. Thirdly, not only do I, I challenge you to continue in sacrificial love and continue to be discipled by your past shepherds and leaders, but number three, watch out for counterfeit means of grace. Watch out for counterfeit means of grace. Look with me at verse 9. The writer writes, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. What I believe that this passage, I can say a lot on this passage, I think he's referring to Judaizers that were trying to come, you need to eat a certain type of food, you need a certain, certain type of customs for you to be right with God, and he's saying, I'll have none of that. Do not listen to anything, any type of shortcut or any other alternative other than Jesus for nourishment in your life. Watch out, Faith and Linden, as you move into the summer. Summer can be a very spiritually deadly time. It can be a time where you decide to take vacation from church. And what the mind does is says, I need this vacation. It would be good for my soul. I need this rest. Oh, and, and we're without a shepherd, too, and so it's probably the right time. Watch out for any uh, strange and unhealthy teaching, even teaching in your mind, that commends anything to take the place of only what Jesus can give, His grace. 
can do that. He dealt with that in the church here, in the church, whether it be food or rest or sex or methods or practice, make you, make, making you believe that is what you need in the place of Jesus. You need Jesus. And you need Jesus, Jesus in the way that he has called us to, through the body of Christ, gathering together, being fed together by the word of God, and being the body of Christ together. As this guy, I don't know who wrote this book of Hebrews. It might have been Paul. Whoever was writing this, he's finishing this, and he says, now be so careful. Without, as you go through this, watch out. And I challenge you in this summer, and as you go, there might be this temptation. Well, I am part of the body of Christ here. This is my home. This is my body. But maybe this is the time to shop around. Maybe my soul would be fed at another buffet better spiritually. Because they don't have a pastor. So often that is not a sacrificial love commitment that is driving you to Christ. And I challenge you to say, oh God, I need you. And you and your providence allowed this. And so I want to be part of the solution. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to be supportive. I want to encourage our pastors. I want to be part of it. Insofar as I can be a helpful part of this process, I want to be part of this process. And I so want to be used by God because this world so desperately needs faith linden. Not because this is a special place, but God chooses to use places like this and the gates of hell will not prevail. There is a darkness around us that God so desperately, God God is sovereign and he uses his church to do it. And he's going to use this church and he's going to use the churches that are faithful to the gospel. And he's going to use this and you need, he's calling you to be part of the body. And just so model that. And so do be careful to watch out for counterfeit means of grace. Means where you see something, oh that looks good, I think that will help me, but it's not a, it's contrary to Jesus, or it's in a place of Jesus. Look to the only source of Jesus. Verses 10 through 15, I'm not going to read them. He actually points us to Jesus. He says, look to his sacrifice. Look to what he has done. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips to acknowledge his name. Lastly, not only does he give a charge where he says, be sacrificial in love and continue to be discipled by your leaders as you imitate their faith. And be careful of strange teachings or things that are going to direct you wrongly. But he says, finally, follow your current leaders. Follow your current leaders. Hebrews 13, 17. These are a hard verse. This is a hard verse for Americans. Obey your leaders and submit to them. What, how do you feel when somebody says that to you? You're like, wait a minute. We don't obey anybody. We're Americans. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, now think through this passage here. This passage, he is exhorting this, do something that's of advantage to you. And that is so let your leaders shepherd you so that they have a lot of joy in shepherding you. By the way, in which I have found, heard a lot of joy, praise God, that is a testimony to you. 
the shepherd, the two pastors that I've talked to the most about this congregation is they said, we have done it with joy. And this passage says, so follow in such a way that they do it with joy and they're watching over the flock. That is a testimony of God's grace through this church. But follow your leaders, your current leaders. Who has God set up? I was in a meeting, Sunday school meeting beforehand, and Lee is the new leader of the church. And so is Pastor Jack. And they are in a process, according to your constitution, and I know that they take it with a heavy responsibility. They take it seriously. They want this word to be the authority. They want to do it with great transparency. And they want your input. They want to communicate to you. They want to instruct you on the qualifications of this future pastor and on the mission of the church that we must continue. The church doesn't stop worshiping. The church doesn't stop discipling. The church doesn't stop in their ministry. No, it continues on through the leadership, the deacons. And you have Pastor Jay and Wes, who is coming with the youth. That has called you to obey your leaders and switch them. Does that mean a blind obedience? Of course not. If you, if you have a leadership that calls you to some type of blind obedience, you just obey me because I am the voice of God. Run. Actually, no, not run, kick them out. Because that's not obedience. That is not the type of shepherding an under-shepherd under Christ has. They are, follow me as I follow Jesus. This word is my guide. He's given me authority, but my authority is out, is derived from this authority. And, and so, follow your shepherds. And what this obedience and submission is, it, it is a type of, I have an inclination towards trusting. I am, I am bent towards obeying and submitting to their, their decisions in their way. I am bent towards that because they're in my life and they have given me every reason to trust. I still use my mind. I still want to test the scriptures to see if those things are true. And so far as they, they might, you might be leading me astray, but I have a bent towards that. And I want to so lead, follow our current leaders. And so far, God brings much advantage to I, I say this last point also as a word of instruction to you. My encouragement to you as a body is to take this verse and many others, and as you go and look for your next senior pastor, let verse 17 instruct you. You are looking for a pastor who you will want to joyfully obey and follow. Not blindly. In fact, somebody that will lead with a leadership team, not just some CEO of a church. It's not God's design. But somebody who will lead you, that you will joyfully want to follow, and you realize that your leaders right now here, and your future leaders, they, these elders, these pastors, bishops, as Pastor explained, same, different titles, same role. They are called to do something that is astounding. Did you know that God designed a pastor, an elder, a bishop, whatever you want to call it, to watch over your soul, who will someday give an account for God? How did you do in watching over Jim's soul? How did you do in watching over Sally's soul? How did you
did you watch? How did you do as you came and visited and discerned how they were doing? Did you confront sin in their life gently and carefully, but seriously and with conviction and with courage and boldness because you loved them? You want a pastor who will come and care about sin and care about righteousness and care about God's word and will care about the mission and will care about worship and holiness, will care about keeping your eyes on the main thing and keeping your eyes on Jesus. And we found Jesus hating all that Jesus hates and loving what he loves. This is a heavy thing. If I were to instruct a young lady, and I would say, be very careful who you marry, because God has called you to submit to your husband and to respect your husband. And so... Do not marry somebody that you couldn't joyfully submit to or respect. Do not go that route unless you believe that man loves God more than he loves you and will follow God and that even though you may disagree with him, you can follow that, follow him in that. And so as you look for a pastor, you say, God, please give us wisdom and guidance because we want to joyfully follow him with the leadership of the church in a congregational way. And we want, and so des- desperately need accountability. We need someone to watch over our souls. And by the way, God does not intend one man, there's no way one man can watch over everyone in this room. He needs not only one or two or three pastors, he needs a, a team of leaders God, that call, God calls elders that will come together that are qualified men. Whether they're in the pastoral full-time vocational role or not, who will watch over your souls and pray for your souls and care to see that you're discipled. So, Ken, may God bless you, keep you, and cause His face to shine upon you. Amen? And may God bless you. Matt and your three kids. And Pastor Jack, may God bless you. May God continue to bless you and serve you and serve the church through you. And Jay and Wes and Lee and all the deacons. But really, it's much more than that. It's every member of the body. We each have a function in the body serving together. Each is important as the shepherd. I mean that. Each is as important as the shepherd. You are all called to gifts differently, but still important. Here is how this writer concludes this, and I think this is an appropriate send-off benediction for any shepherd leaving, or a church saying, we're losing a shepherd, we're praying for another shepherd. We're still called to follow our leaders and look to our past leaders and continue in sacrificial love and being careful of counterfeit grace. He says this in verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the way, that shepherd is, does not stop shepherding this church. By the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip 
continue to equip Pastor Jack and Jay and Wes and Lee and all the church with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. That's why we look to Jesus, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, I pray that you where every family is named under your name. I pray that you, Father, would grant this benediction in a very living and just powerful way that you would so equip and equip the leadership and the followership, the body, every member of this body to so, in this time of pastorlessness of the senior pastor, you would so bless this church this summer. Guide this church this summer into the fall. I pray that you would so guide them and direct them towards the senior pastor. Would you guide and direct them in your will and your guidance and you would equip them for everything so that they would do that which is pleasing in your sight. Now, Father, I ask it in the only name that you listen to. In the only name that we plead that you would do that. In the name that pleases you. In the name that you grant